Hello, and welcome to Revive Church Podcast with Pastor Todd Mazingo. I'm your host, Paul Garner. Thank you for listening today. Seeing in the spiritual realm will help us understand what is happening in the physical realm. Pastor Todd builds on a message that he preached the week before. You can listen to that message as episode 10 of these podcast messages. It is titled, Hidden in Plain Sight. That message is about seeing things with spiritual eyes. He continues from that message today to expand on that. Pastor Todd shows us many events in histories which, if viewed solely from a physical perspective, may not seem to mean anything. However, if we view these events and times with spiritual eyes, something else becomes more visible, more obvious. On the hill of evil counsel, Absalom, David's son, conspired to kill his father and take the throne. On this same hill is where the high priest Caiaphas conspired with Judas to capture Jesus. Did you know that the same location where Joshua crossed over the Jordan with the people is the same location where the prophet Elijah cast his mantle to part the water to walk across? And this is the same place where Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist. He continues revealing times and places that mean little viewed only with physical eyes, but mean so much more when viewed with spiritual eyes. God is spirit. He is always doing spiritual things that extend into the physical world. We can see these things with the Holy Spirit in us to open our eyes. Let's listen in as Pastor Todd helps us open our spiritual eyes. Please listen to the end for some important information. Y'all ready to get into it? All right, man, we're going there today. So just hang in there with me. Listen all the way to the end and write me emails later. All right? Last week, we talked about seeing things with spiritual eyes. I'm going to kind of stay on this. This is kind of a a next step in that message, uh, a a further step I want to go. We talked about recognizing the things that are going on in the spiritual realm instead of just looking at them in the physical realm. So today, I want to show you how seeing in the spiritual realm will help us actually understand what's going on in the physical realm. You with me? We're going to see what's going on in the spiritual realm, and we're going to be able to see it in the physical realm so that when we see it in the physical realm, we recognize that this is a spiritual issue. I want to talk about a place. In current day Israel, there is a neighborhood called Abu Tor. Abu Tor. It was named after a general, a Muslim general who actually rode into a war on a bull. Uh, and so it's named Abu Tor. It's a hill south of Jerusalem. Not far, but south of Jerusalem, there's a hill. And you can see from that hill the entire city of Jerusalem. You can see the Mount of Olives. You can see where the Garden of Gethsemane is. If you look far to your right when you're facing Jerusalem, you can actually see the Dead Sea because of the elevation of this hill. Uh, and, And it is a hill that has a very special significance in Christian history and in biblical history. You see, during the time of King David, he had a son named Absalom. And Absalom decided to mutiny and revolt against his father, David, who was the king. And he got some advice from a man, a man named Ahithophel. Go ahead and say that, Ahithophel. 
The man's name was Ahithophel. He was actually a counselor to King David, and Absalom sought him out, and Ahithophel and Absalom actually came up with a plan together to go against King David. The story is in 2 Samuel 15 and 16. They met on this hill. Absalom had gone south from Jerusalem all the way as far as Hebron, but when he met with Ahithophel, the conversation took place on this hill just south of the city, overlooking the city. And so Ahithophel counsels Absalom on how to overthrow his father David, and that hill, because of that conversation, has been given a name. The name of that hill is the Hill of Evil Counsel. You can go look this up when you get home. The Hill of Evil Counsel. Absalom and Ahithophel's plans fail. Ahithophel tells him, hey, go in and get all the concubines and I'll bring 12,000 men and we'll go in and raid. But the plan fails because Absalom also takes counsel from another one of David's advisors and that advisor was faithful to David. So he told David what Absalom was planning to do. What ends up happening in the story is Absalom is riding on a donkey and his hair gets caught in the branches of a tree and the donkey goes out from under him and he hangs there. And when the, the people faithful to David go find him, Joab finds him, he runs a spear through his heart. Because of this whole thing, Ahithophel actually hangs himself. But the story revolves around this place called the Hill of Evil Counsel. It has a reputation, this hill does, of being a place for ungodly counsel. Let me say that again. This hill has a reputation for being a place of ungodly counsel. Something else later on happens on this same hill. You see, there was a Sanhedrin court chief. His name was Joseph Caiaphas. And Caiaphas had a home in the city of David, which is right at the base of the Temple Mount. And he also had a, a, a home on this particular hill in what's today Abu Tur. In this home that's on this hill is where he met with Judas to discuss the plan of overthrowing and taking captive Jesus. So we know that both of these councils happened uh, and Caiaphas meets with him there. They set up the plan to betray Jesus for, if you'll remember, 30 pieces of silver. Well, we know that plan, how it played out. We know that Jesus gets turned over. Jesus gets crucified. We also know that Judas goes back to Caiaphas and puts the silver back in front of him and says, I don't want this. And they use that to purchase something called the field of blood. Uh, that was a, a piece of land that was used then to bury the poor, the field of blood. Guess where the field of blood is? It is on the hill of evil counsel. So we can see in history that we've gone from one set of evil counsel between Ahithophel and Absalom to another set of evil counsel where Caiaphas counsels Judas, and we have this history. And isn't it interesting that these two places are a place to overthrow the plans of God and the kings in place? Why would I be talking about this today? Why would this be important to us Today, let me tell you something. It would not be important if you didn't look at it spiritually. 
when you look at it spiritually, it becomes very significant. Why? Because something else today, right now, is located on the hill of evil counsel. What is located today on the hill of evil counsel is the United Nations Truth Supervision Organization headquarters. The headquarters of the United Nations is located on the hill of evil counsel. Just think about that spiritually. What I want you to consider is of all the places in Israel that the UN truce organization could be, they're on the hill of evil counsel. Of all the buildings that are in Jerusalem, they pick the building that is on the hill of evil counsel. So why does it fall in that place? Because it's a spiritual thing. In April 2017, the United Nations, UNESCO, passed Resolution 201-EXPXDR.30.1. And I quote, I'm reading from what the UN passed. Reminding that all legislative and administrative measures and actions taken by Israel, the occupying power, which have altered or purport the alter the character and status of the holy city Jerusalem, and in particular the basic law of Jerusalem, are now null and void and must be rescinded forthwith. All actions taken by Israel over Jerusalem, null and void. That's what the United Nations is saying. Recently, that same organization, UNESCO, made the decision that Israel's Jews no longer, listen to this, no longer have any historical or religious connections to the Temple Mound. The United Nations is saying that the Jewish nation has no connection to the Temple Mound. Unbelievable. UN decisions. Now, in the UN, there are 193 countries in the United Nations. The UN Human Rights Council, from its creation in June 2006 till June 2016, the UN Human Rights Council, over one decade, adopted 135 resolutions criticizing countries, and 68 of those 135 were against Israel. The United Nations General Assembly from 2012 to 15 has adopted 97 resolutions criticizing countries. 83 of the 97 are against Israel. UNESCO, each year, UNESCO adopts 10 resolutions of, of the year and they criticize only Israel. They don't criticize any other UN member state out of the 193, only Israel. Before 1990, the Security Council, the UN Security Council, passed 175 resolutions, 97 against one country, Israel. The UN General Assembly before 1990 voted on 690 resolutions, 429 were against one country, Israel. Israel is the only member of the UN that is not permitted membership on the Security Council. And so when you look and see that just a short time ago, the US decided to recognize Jerusalem as the head of Israel and move their embassy there, the UN condemned that action. And they're located on the hill of evil counsel.
And if you think about it spiritually and historically, here's what you're seeing. You will miss if you don't look at spiritually that God is letting you know based on their physical location that spiritually they are against the kingdom of God just by where they're located at. So if you begin to look at these things spiritually, you've all of a sudden say, that totally makes sense that they'd be against Israel. Look where they've chosen for their headquarters. And while we're talking about politics, let's just jump in, okay? <laughs> Has this been a week for politics in our country? We vote. And when we vote as believers... We vote based on the word of God. You take a platform and you take the word of God and you say, which ones line up and you vote. And if you say, as some people do, that God sets all government leaders in place, it's not us, so he's in control. Listen, I've heard that logic. I'm not here to defy or contest anybody, but I just want to show you a couple scriptures. I want you to consider these two scriptures, Romans 13, verse 1. Every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And those who exist are established by God. Therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God, and they have opposed and will receive condemnation upon themselves. And I've heard this over and over and over where we talk about, you have to recognize that God put that evil leader in place. That is not what this scripture is saying. Let me show you what it is saying. It's saying there is an ordinance of God. Whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God. What God is talking about in this scripture is authority, not the person in authority, but that God has established authority. God says there are people who will oppose governing authority in their life and submission to authority is key to serving God. So what he's saying is I have put this thing in place called governing authority that you'll come into submission to so you understand how to come into submission to an authoritative God. So I put the system in place. And so some people say, well, but doesn't that mean everybody that's in a leadership role is put in place by God? I'm going to take you to Hosea chapter 8. Hosea chapter 8, verse 4. You can circle this one. You can write it down. You can read it later. This is what it says. God is saying this. They have set up kings, but not by me. They have appointed princes that I did not know of it. Now listen, when God is saying, I did not know it, he's saying, I don't acknowledge it. I don't give consent to who they've chosen. With their silver and gold, they made idols for themselves that they might be cut off. Listen, we have to be subject to governing authorities because God ordained authority, but we can put ungodly leaders in position of governing authority. Do you remember when the people had judges and they said, we want a king? And God said, you don't need a king. You need judges. And they said, no, 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 we want a king. So God said, okay, you want a king? I'll give you a king because they wanted a king, not because a king was the best thing for them. Now, I want you to hear me out. Scripture very clearly says we must pray for our leaders, good or bad. If you go back into the books of Kings and look at king after king after king, this king followed God, this king did not. This king followed God, this king did not. This king did not follow God, this king did. 
In 2 Timothy 2.1, it says, first of all, then I urge that entreaties and prayers and petitions and thanksgiving may be half on all men for kings and for all who are in authority, that's inside the church and outside the church, so that we may lead, they may lead, ah, so that we may lead tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God. If there was ever a time for prayer for the leaders of our country, this is it. And in the context of what I'm teaching today, we must see leadership in our country as a spiritual thing, as a spiritual thing. If you don't see the spirit of death and the spirit of division are at work in our country, you will make this a battle about people, politics, and parties. And it's not. I want you to consider this scripture in light of what's going on just this week in our country. Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. There are six things which the Lord hates. Yes, seven which are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that run rapidly to evil, a false witness who utters lies and one who spreads strife among brothers. Is it me or have we seen all of those this week? Listen, if you don't see abortion as hands that shed innocent blood, you'll think about party politics and voting instead of spiritually what's going on. So let you digest that for a minute. We need to be looking for the spiritual signs that are in the word of God. We need to understand they're there for our purpose. If you will not understand the symbols of the Bible, then you won't see that birds of the air are demonic spirits in scripture. When the seed gets cast, when the word gets spread, it's the birds of the air who come and take it away. You will not see that wild beasts in scripture are demonic spirits. When they, Jesus was in the desert, and he at near the end of it, Satan came and had this conversation where he tried to uh, uh, tried to get him to do those three different things. It says that Jesus was there, Satan was there, and the wild beast were there. Do you really think we needed to know that bears and lions were there? It's the evil spirits that came with Satan to tempt Jesus. You'll see, you won't see that scorpions are also demonic spirits in Revelation 9 and Luke 10, 19. But you have authority over the birds of the air, the wild beast, and the scorpions. Amen. If you don't look at this spiritually, you won't see that dry bones are a symbol of spiritual death. That stars and lampstands are symbols of God's ministers. That arrows and locusts are symbols of God's God's judgment, that breaking a jar is a symbol of the destruction of Jerusalem, that being thirsty is a symbol of spiritual need, that anointing is a symbol of empowerment of God's spirit, that Babylon is a religious apostasy and a confusion, that fire, oil, water, and wind all represent the Holy Spirit, and on and on and on in Scripture. If you don't look at the Word of God with spiritual eyes, you will not get Holy Spirit revelation. And you need that revelation to see things like repetitive cycles. What am I talking about repetitive cycles? Do you ever notice that Noah single-handedly in the ark saved the world? 
He did it and he sent out a dove. The repetitive cycle is Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Did you notice that Abraham, after having his son carry the wood to the top of the hill, was going to sacrifice his son? It is God and Jesus' sacrifice. Did you notice that uh, Moses, a savior, goes into the land of Egypt, sets them free from their bondage to deliver them to a promised land? It's Jesus setting you out of the bondage of sin and taking you to a promised land. If you don't look at the word of God with spiritual eyes, you will not get Holy Spirit revelation. You will look for rules to live by to be a good person. Oh, let me say that again. If you do not get spirit-filled revelation on the word, the Bible will be a book of rules to become a good person. You will not see a spiritual kingdom in your role in it. You will not see a territory that you have been given. You will not understand how to do spiritual battle against a spiritual enemy. You will not understand the authority that you have over that enemy. You will not know your calling in the kingdom of God, and you will not know how to operate under the authority that he put you you under. Mm. And I'm going to go for it today, okay? Without spiritual eyes, you will seek Bible knowledge. And Bible knowledge does not equate to spiritual growth. Let me say that again. If you do not look with spiritual eyes. You will seek Bible knowledge, and Bible knowledge does not equate to spiritual growth. Yes, I just said that. Yes, Bible knowledge is intelligence without spiritual application. Spiritual growth is producing fruit in the kingdom of God. It's exercising authority in the kingdom. It's advancing the kingdom of God. Uh, I think this is what's wrong with most discipleship programs today. They teach scriptural knowledge instead of spiritual realities. I'm going to say that again. I think the problem with most discipleship programs in church is we're teaching scriptural knowledge but not spiritual realities. How many of you have been to a Bible study in your life? Okay, I don't know about you, but I've been to Bible studies all my life. How did I live so many years going to so many Bible studies, but not having the ability to exercise the authority over the enemy in my own life? Why? Because I read about something and I had the knowledge of it, but I didn't know how to apply it. We thought knowledge made you a better believer, but without spiritual revelation, it is just information. And if you want Bible knowledge, go to a seminary. Let them teach you their denomination. I know that. I've been there. I've done that. But if you want to be strong in the kingdom of God, ask the spirit to reveal the truth of the word to you. Nehemiah 9, 19 and 20, you in your great compassion, O God, did not forsake them in the wilderness. The pillar of cloud did not leave them by day to guide them on their way, nor the pillar of fire by night to light for them the way in which they were to go. You gave your good spirit to instruct them 
Your manna you did not withhold from their mouth, and you gave them water for their thirst. Do you think he's talking about having bread and water in the desert? No, he's saying, I gave you the Holy Spirit to lead you to the bread of life, Jesus, so that you can flow with rivers of living water. How can you possibly survive this corrupt world without the Holy Spirit teaching us the word of God? John 1, First uh, John, I'm sorry, First John chapter 2, 25. This is the promise which he himself made to us, eternal life. These things I've written to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. As for you, the anointing, Holy Spirit, which you received from him, God, abides in you, and you have no need for anyone to teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about all things and is true and is not a lie. And just as it has taught you, you abide in him. Do you think that the Holy Spirit wants to teach you Bible knowledge? He does. But I want you to remember that the Holy Spirit is a spirit. The Holy Spirit is spirit. So when he teaches, he teaches in spirit. He is teaching you in spirit what the word of God says so you can go past food and water and bread on to living in authority in the kingdom of God. John 14, 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name, he, Holy Spirit, will teach you all things, and he'll bring to your remembrance all that I said. If the Holy Spirit is spirit and he teaches in spirit, then we must understand the word from the spiritual perspective. We have to stop trying to gain knowledge and instead look for spiritual insights and signs. Because when spiritual insights come, hear me out, this is my last point. When spiritual insight comes, we will look and we will say, the United Nations works against the people of God. And one of the evidences is that they are located on the hill of counsel, of evil counsel. Stand your feet, please. I'll ask my prayer ministers to come forward. But today, we're going to pray for this country of ours. And we're going to pray for spiritual eyes to see what's going on in the spirit, getting off of the people and the politics and recognizing the evil that's at work in our country. The enemy is wanting to destroy, kill, and steal. And as believers, we are the authority to shut that down. We just declare this morning that we stand on holy ground, that we stand on holy ground and we see things from a spiritual perspective. And in the name of Jesus, we declare truth, light, and love. And no longer will your people be fooled and deceived by the enemy's plan. No longer will they be distracted by the politics and the people and the parties. But we will look at things with spiritual eyes and we will stand up for the Holy Spirit and we will stand up for the kingdom of God. And we will follow you, God. As for this house, we will serve the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, what did you think? 
Has God been speaking to you about any of these things? We would love to hear from you. You can email us at podcast at reviveusnow.com. We are excited that Pastor Todd has released his latest book called Get It Together. So why is marriage so hard for people? Why do wonderful couples fall in love, believe that they are perfect for each other, and then step into a nightmare? Why are there advertisements on social media and even on highway billboards for good divorce attorneys? And more importantly, why do you struggle to make something work when you believe it should be so easy? Get It Together is an exploration of the design and concept of marriage. It is direct, to the point, and scriptural. God clearly explains his design for marriage. So we just need to learn his design. This book lays out what is actually a very simple fix for most struggling marriages. You will be amazed at how easy it is to begin the journey to an enjoyable, fulfilling, and exciting marriage by learning how to get it together. This new book is available now on Amazon. This podcast is brought to you by Revive Church of Stewart, Florida. You can learn more about us at our website, reviveusnow.com. If you would like to support this ministry, go to our website, reviveusnow.com slash give. If you live in our area or are planning a visit to our area, we would love to have you join us. We are located at 8851 Southwest Old Kansas Avenue, Stewart, Florida. If you enjoy this podcast, why not click to subscribe right here on the podcast site of your choice? That way you won't miss any of Pastor Todd's and Revive Church's future podcasts. Thank you for joining us.